The views, opinions, and comments expressed by hosts, guests, and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, Telesouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of Telesouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. Thanks a lot for listening to us. So, Bubba, you've been on an airplane a number of times in your life, and you sit there and you find your you 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 see you know and hopefully you're in the right one you got the a b c or d or whatever mm-hmm. down and and start to buckle your seat belts and then the the stewardess or or, or steward or, or or cabin attendants whatever mm-hmm. they're calling them these days comes on and starts giving you this list of mm-hmm. instructions yeah now do we pay attention to them very often uh, so I would say that the majority of folks uh, on an airplane, if they've ever been on an airplane before, have probably listened very intently. At least one time. At least one time. Okay. Like, all right, where's the exit? I'm planning my evacuation route, <laughs> that sort of thing. You know. Right. Where's this oxygen mask going to come from? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, yeah. does this seat really float? Yeah, and then after, and then that, after that, it's like yeah, you know, I'm watching yeah. my movie, or I'm reading yeah. my book, yeah. my magazine, right? Gotta you know, get, getting situated. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got to find my earbuds, yeah. mm-hmm. that, that sort of thing. And so, one of the instructions they tell you is the thing related to the oxygen mask. Mm-hmm. In, the, in, a, in the case that the cabin loses pressure, blah blah blah, they're going to fall down. And and the first time I heard this, fifty years ago, whenever it was. When the stewardess said this to, to me, it, it, it struck me as strange. And when it falls down, make sure that you help those around you, f- but you're going to put yours on first. Right. You put yours on first, then help them. Mm-hmm. Now, that's your babysitting beside you, yep. don't you? Mm-hmm. You, th- you think you're going to take care of her first? Well, how can you take care of them if you, you know, are lacking of oxygen? You're at such an elevation that there's not enough oxygen for you to carry on, right? Absolutely. So that's why they tell you to do your own first and then help others. It's not a selfish thing. No. It's a practical thing. Right. Do we find people sometimes coming into our office and they're trying to really be good kids? Mm-hmm. They, you know, mom, dad's lived to this ripe old age of 90-something years old, and maybe they've even retired and come back here to help them. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they're helping them to the detriment of themselves. I, I have seen that. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, you, are, you do want to help those around you. You, you mm-hmm. do want to help those you, you love, but you still need to take care of yourself. And, and many times you see that not only in a, in a monetary sense, but in a physical sense, mm-hmm. right? You're taking care of a, of an elderly parent, mm-hmm. and you just physically can't lift them up, Mm-mm. right? Mm-mm. No, um, you you can't physically do the work required mm-hmm. that they need for the care that they have to have. You know, and one of these days when you stand there in mm-hmm. front of Saint Peter, I don't think Saint Peter's going to hold that against you mm-hmm. if you weigh 128 and Papa weighs a, or 250, mm-hmm. and you, and you can't move him, right? Uh, you're you're not necessarily admitting defeat. Mm-mm. 
you're admitting you need some help and you can't you can only do so much for right you. you also have some responsibilities to yourself mm-hmm. so as we talk to people uh, about their responsibilities to themselves especially financially and also their the people around them their, their family members um, and we go through this diatribe of, uh, you know, you need to start here. You need to get real with yourself and you need to know your numbers and, and, and whatever. Um, and, and we work them through trying to do their financial life correctly. Do they need to be thinking in the back of their mind about needing to take care of a parent? Uh, not only do they need to be thinking about what their plans are for mm. taking care of a parent. I mm. think they also need to mentally prepare themselves for the fact that they might not be able to care for their parent. Mm. So yes, they may have the the ability, right? Or the know-how or the knowledge, but again, the physicality of it, they mm. might not be able to do. Right. Or um, they might have uh, the physicality to take care of them, do all that kind of stuff, but not the monetary mm-hmm. way to do it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. And you need to prepare yourself for the possibility either way, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, the possibility that maybe I, I need to help out. And, and we're not talking just about um, uh, elderly parents mm-hmm. here. To what extent do you think it's your moral responsibility to help your children? Right. How far? Well, you know, I, I kind of think that age 22, 23. Mm-hmm. It's about good enough. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know, you don't think 52 is, is, is a good number? I think 52 <laughs> is a bit of a stretch. 42? Yeah, 32. That's, yeah, that's still a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Somewhere in there, it's not that I'm asking you to need uh, mm-hmm. and telling you that you need to turn on a, a selfish button. Mm-hmm. But you need to stop and think about what this is doing. Now, and I understand that there are extenuating circumstances, of right? Of course, special you, needs. You have that. a special need or you have a child that uh, is hurt on the job, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And needs time to recuperate and that sort of thing. And, yeah, you want to be there to help out for those things. Right. But if they are fully capable of gainful employment and just choose not to, mm. right, then, then that's another tougher conversation that you need to have with those children. It is. And sometimes you have to have this conversation, this tough conversation with yourself first. Yeah, As absolutely. you said, related to taking care mm-hmm. of parents. Can you? Mm-hmm. Can't you? What's the alternative? Same thing with children. Where is it going to stop? And you need to be comfortable with that in yourself before you have this conversation with somebody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. How about a spouse? Spouse, maybe um, you start having children. Spouse mm-hmm. says, you know, I really can't find a place that I feel really comfortable related to daycare. And you really um, seem to be the principal breadwinner, male mm-hmm. or female. I'm going to stay at home a while. Yeah. Um, that may be a good alternative, mm-hmm. and it may be the best alternative for your family. But you really need to consider the financial Uh, and psychological effects of that decision. Right. So you got parents, and you got your children, and you got Mm -hmm. your spouse, you got all these other people around you, and you also have yourself that you need to be taking care of. So today we're going to talk about to what extent it's our responsibility to do that, and then we're going to talk about what's a spousal IRA. There are all these different kinds of Mm -hmm. IRAs. What is... 
what's one for my spouse look like? And what are the rules related to that? Here from the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planners, Bubba Labus, and yours truly, Greg Cooley, with you right here on Super Talk Radio. Thanks a lot for listening. We appreciate our sponsors for making the Advisors Roundtable possible. So, Bubba, we're talking about these financial responsibilities and our relationships to other people and uh, maybe our, uh, you know, I need to have a conversation with ourselves about to what extent is it my responsibility to do certain things. You know, there are very much um, a list of advantages Mm -hmm. to being members of a family. Let's pick one like marriage. You know, you get get married, obviously the love and the affection, the companionship and all that stuff that you get with marriage, but Mm -hmm. you also get the possibility of being on their benefits package. Right. Uh, you may be able to file instead of single. You may be able to file jointly. Mm-hmm. And if, not, if both of you aren't in these huge, high, uh, hugely high tax brackets, you may get some benefits there. So there's mm-hmm. some financial benefits to being associated with that's one right. another. Yeah. And, and, and that's a great thing. Um, we're just talking about to what extent we allow our relationships with people to affect our financial, mm-hmm. our finances. Um, you can't <coughs> go into the poorhouse because somebody else um, has an association with you that you feel a responsibility for and an obligation for, or you shouldn't. Uh, you know, unless you co-sign. Boy. Yeah, and there's another thing that we may have to talk about one day. So, yeah, not an advantageous thing to cosign mm-hmm. before we leave that, right? Yeah, Just right. a blanket statement, yeah. right? Very few times is it a good mm-hmm. thing to cosign with somebody. Um, but, but there has to be a family discussion related to who's going to take care of Grandma. Mm-hmm. Now, you may be the one living in the city with Grandma, and it seems to be most uh, convenient for you to do it, but you shouldn't do it all. Right. Especially to the detriment of your health mm-hmm. and your pocketbook. Um, and there are a number of programs out there, so you need to educate yourself mm-hmm. about Medicare and Medicaid and, and, and what, what your supplement will and will not play, pay and did they get any long-term care insurance and, and what happens with the other assets. It's a very deep discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, and... and it's almost like financially getting naked for grandma and grandpa. That's right. They've been hiding all these things, maybe doing it extremely uh, secretively throughout their life. And, and many of us see our finances that way, mm-hmm. don't we? We do. Um, and maybe a big transition for them to have this discussion. I had a conversation yesterday with, uh, with a client, and this, uh, this client is now in an assisted living facility. Uh, he and his wife are living there. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, the, the children uh, have gotten a conservatorship, so they're over the finances and that sort of thing now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, this gentleman, I would say, is, for the most part, has his mind about him. It's, it's just like a physical ailment, right, that he can't do things. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, w- he is so distraught about not being able to make his own financial decisions, th- you know, things that he's done for the last 80, 85 years. <laughs> you know, it, it's something that, um, that you need to prepare for. Yeah. Yeah, and you're not just preparing for it from the point of view mm-hmm. of what are you going to do for your parents, but it, while you're doing that, yeah. 
kind of preparing your mind. What are you going to do for yourself? What's going to happen to yours? Mm-hmm. And and when are your kids going to come in? Yeah. And, it, and it's kind of an equally stressful decision mm-hmm. uh, about when is the when are the kids or other family members going to step in to take over your stuff yeah. like it was for you back in the late teens and early 20s mm-hmm. about when you were going to quit doing it for them. Right. Um, and so, you know, maybe even some counseling is, uh, mm-hmm. is required there. One of the concerns that we have for, for our families is, are we going to be able to do it? Okay. And most of those questions are related to numbers. Mm-hmm. They're related to finances. People who have um, more finances usually have more options. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you—if you got enough money, you just throw a check for something. Right. Right. And it's not that much of a concern for you. So that it it, it brings to my mind uh, a situation that I'm aware of. Uh, there are are five siblings, and they've got elderly parents, mm-hmm. and um, and they take turns. Right. Okay. So one of the siblings, uh, actually, three of them live locally. The other two kind of live away Mm -hmm. Uh, but they take turns you know uh, one or two of them go spend the night with their parents you know to make sure that everything's okay Mm -hmm. they've got some other people that come in as sitters you know during the night time and a little bit during the day to help care for their parents Mm -hmm. that's what so the individuals that live away can't necessarily do that Mm -mm. so they send money for the sitters okay while the other ones right uh don't um they've probably got the financial means to do so, but I think they just want to go yeah. and, and spend time and take care and, and feel like they're doing the right thing by their parents as well. Sounds like a big, a lot of coordination. Can you imagine the coordination, mm-hmm. you know, for uh, two, two elderly parents, right. That need to have doctor's appointments, you know, go, go places, do things, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then you've got five siblings that are taking turns going to take care of the parents at night you know, coordinating between, is this sitter here? Did this one show up? Did this one not show up? Yes. You know, that sort of thing. Right. All right. It, all right. You know, sister, you, it's your turn yeah. this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And we do this, hopefully, where it's fair. Now, mm-hmm. fair is, <laughs> uh, fair doesn't necessarily mean equal. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, we do it to the point where you don't feel like that you're, uh, you're taking on an inordinate amount of the burden. That's right. Um, and, and that takes a lot of communication and a lot of work. And, and you know, they're very, very fortunate that all five of the kids mm-hmm. are contributing in some way. Because yeah. many times in many families, you just got one that's not going to do it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and extra stress on, on everybody there. Well, one of the financial considerations we have for our family and I'm getting back to, to us now and our family, mm-hmm. not our parents, not our children and all that stuff. But one of the considerations we have is retirement. Yeah. Now, now, you have this, uh, this, this, uh, this saying mm-hmm. where you say you can finance. You uh, can finance a car, meaning that you can borrow money for a car. Right. You can borrow money uh, to go to college. You can borrow money for a house. Mm-hmm. It's very very hard to borrow money for your retirement very good point which there, there's one limited instance i think where you can borrow money for retirement and it's called a reverse mortgage yeah 
right? Yeah. And, yeah. and those, those rarely, rarely work. Mm-hmm. When they do work, mm-hmm. you know, they're very specific and it and it works very well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Not but for everybody. Not for everybody. And I'm I'm saying maybe one percent of the population out there, maybe two percent of the population, a reverse mortgage works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, you cannot borrow money for your retirement. Yeah. So when you're saying you can borrow money to finance an education for your kids, mm-hmm. you can borrow money for a car, you can borrow money for a house. The, they, the bank is, is anticipating or, uh, or, or uh, specifically saying mm-hmm. you can borrow this money because you've got earning potential in the future to pay it back. Sure. If you're retired, oh. are you ever going to go back to work yeah, to pay hope. that money back? That's that's the definition of retirement, right? Exactly. Not working. Mm-hmm. And so paying it back, um, and, and here's another thing. What if you leave a balance and you die? Right. Because while I'm in retirement, I'm probably closer to mm-hmm. the date than I was when Correct. I was 40. Mm-hmm. So I pass away and I borrowed up half a million dollars mm-hmm. for the next two or three years of my retirement. Uh, probably not going to work. So you're right. So to finance the retirement for the family, mm-hmm. we start planning early. Right. Most people do this through 401Ks, mm-hmm. right? That's right. And why do I say most people do it that way? What's, what's the advantage to do it, do it that way other than putting it in a mason jar? So most people uh, that do work ha- usually have the opportunity to save in a company-sponsored retirement plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is, you know, one of the, it's a great invention, right, mm-hmm. that, that came out years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, for a couple of reasons, um, corporations used to have these things called pensions, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Where if you worked for a corporation, they would sock money away on your behalf. Mm-hmm. Um, but corporations eventually learned, hey, we don't want the liability to be responsible for your income for the remainder of your retirement years. Speaking to somebody else being responsible for your finances, right? So they said, you know what? We're going to still contribute or make matches and that sort of thing or make this plan available so that you can save money. Mm -hmm. Uh, But really the burden is now falling back to the employee. Right. Which means the employee has to put money in. That's right. And a 401k makes it fairly easy to do that. It does. Because it comes out of payroll, Mm -hmm. right? But there are other options for me to save for retirement, right? Sure there are. What's a traditional IRA? So a traditional IRA is, is uh, basically an uh, individual retirement account that allows an individual to put money away and deduct uh, whatever they put away in that plan from their, their income. Okay. Very similar to a 401k. Mm-hmm. Now the limits are less, right? So I, I think uh, this year, if you're over age 50, you can do, is it $7,000? Uh, six. Six? Yeah. Okay. O- over 50. Over seven. 50 is seven. Right. Right. Yeah. Under 50. So you're allowed to do $7,000 a year mm-hmm. uh, into an IRA. Whereas with a 401k, if you're over 50, you can put in upwards of $27,000 mm-hmm. and potentially get a match mm-hmm. associated with it. So the, probably the first place, mm-hmm. if we were ranking these and prioritizing these places to be able to save for my retirement so I'm hopefully self-sufficient as I get older, would be the 401k. Mm-hmm. It's easier. It's already set up. I don't have to set up an account. Somebody's going to match it for me. Right. It, it kind of happens on autopilot, mm-hmm. autopilot, right? Sure. 
and then maybe an IRA. So mm-hmm. we're going to uh, go to this break, and after the break, we're going to come back and really um, peel back the onion on IRAs and all the different kinds there are so you can be financially self-sufficient when you get to retirement. From the Advisors Roundtable on Supertalk. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planners, Cooley and Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. So we're talking about trying to be self-sufficient financially and specifically related to saving for our own retirement, starting with a 401k because it's usually simple, it's usually easy, it's usually done where it's on autopilot and somebody else is going to match your money. Now, there are none of these other accounts that we're going to talk about where you get free money. That's right. So if you're sitting there and you think, you know, I got a couple hundred extra dollars a month Mm -hmm. I could save from my retirement account, I probably would want you to do it in your 401k, Mm -hmm. right? At least up to the limit that you're going to get the full match. So what does that mean? Most 401ks are are designed in a way that they're going to offer a match, but you have to participate in them in order to get that match. Okay. Again, free money, right? Uh But you have to participate. So you've got to save some money in order for the the employer to put some money in on your behalf. Okay. So uh, Phil, our executive producer over there, he works for this Mm -hmm. radio station. Let's say they offered a 401k. Phil could put in twenty thousand five hundred plus another five or six thousand because he's over fifty. That's right. So he could put in twenty six, twenty seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars of his own money. That's right. And right? because he's so rich and he does this out of the goodness of his heart, right. he he wouldn't even be getting paid if it like you know he didn't have to, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but let's say that he's making twenty seven thousand dollars a year, and he says, you know what, I don't really need this money, and I'd rather not be taxed on it. I'm just going to defer twenty seven thousand dollars into the four hundred one k. Okay. So his net paycheck is zero, mm-hmm. right? Right. An extreme example, but an it extreme could be. example. It could happen that way. But he made twenty seven thousand dollars, right? Yeah. Which also means that he's going to be matched on a percentage of that income that he has. So let's say they match four percent. Right. So four percent of twenty seven thousand would go into his his account. Oh, almost a thousand bucks. Yeah, not bad at all. Right. Mm-hmm. So. He put in 26 or 27. They put in the thousand. So he's got extra money in mm-hmm. there that just came out of somewhere. Right. Before he got any return out of his, his, his investments inside this thing. Now, if we back that example up, right, mm-hmm. and we say, all right, well, what does Phil have to do in order to get his full match? Okay. Well, he needs to put in about $1,000 mm-hmm. per year, and then he's going to get $1,000 per year put into his plan. Okay. He can put in whatever mm-hmm. he wants to, but up to a point, mm-hmm. the company's going to match. They're not matching, not matching him the whole thing, right? But they tell him on the front end, mm-hmm. you know, you put in one percent, we're going to put in one yeah. percent. You put in two percent, up to the point we get to th- mm-hmm. four or five, whatever their plan says, sure. and then you're on your own, buddy. But it is an opportunity for you to save and not pay taxes, and hopefully have more money later on, right? Okay, now. 401k would be the place I'd start mm-hmm. because of all those characteristics, especially the free money right. and especially the ease of it. But let's say that you want to save more or maybe you work somewhere. There's no 401k. Mm-hmm. Your options are about two or three. Yep. Number one, we talked a little bit about a traditional IRA. Mm-hmm. Where under the age of 50, you can put up to $6,000. in. Do you have to put the whole six in? No. You could put in two thousand. You can do two hundred if you wanted okay. to. All right. So you could go up to six thousand. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and take that off your taxes. Yeah. Right? And if he's over 50, he can do 7000 Many times people refer to that as, well, I need to go down to the bank or I need to go to my financial institution and buy an IRA. <laughs> I have heard that. Right. So you hear it said that way. Right. And, and really, that's what you're doing. You're, mm-hmm. you're putting money into an account uh, mm-hmm. for your benefit later on. Mm-hmm. Right. And you get a benefit now, too, mm-hmm. if you do the traditional thing, because you get to take that off your taxes. That's right. Right. Now, this is where it gets a little hairy, mm-hmm. a little uh, uh, gray and fuzzy. What if Phil has a retirement plan at his job. Mm-hmm. Can he still do an IRA? He can, as long as he doesn't go over certain limits. Okay. In other words, he can't do $27,000 into his uh, his 401k mm-hmm. and do $7,000 into an IRA. It, especially if his income's at a certain place. That's right. Because basically the, the point that the, the IRS is making and the rules and the Congress is making is yes, we want to incentivize people to save. Mm-hmm. We don't want you getting too much of a tax break here. Yeah. It's not an unlimited thing here. So you got a tax break at work where you put the mm-hmm. money in, didn't have to pay the taxes, and you got the match, and we didn't make you pay tax this year on that. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to do an IRA on the outside and you have one at work, there's, there's certain limits, and they limit that by income, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. And right now it's a little over $100,000 for married filing jointly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can get a full tax deduction if at least one of them has a, a, a retirement plan at work. That's right. All right. Now let's talk about Roth IRA. Okay. What's a Roth IRA? So a Roth IRA, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lump this in with Roth 401k as well. Okay. Uh, and I, I need to explain, and we already have a little bit, when you put money into a regular 401k or a regular IRA, mm-hmm. you get a tax deduction on mm-hmm. what you put into it. Mm-hmm. On a Roth 401k or Roth IRA, mm-hmm. the money that you put into that, you don't get a tax deduction on. So it's money that has already had tax paid on it. So if I'm not going to get a benefit this year, Bubba, why would I do it? It's about the benefit that you're going to receive later on. Okay. Okay. So... Uh, anytime that you take money out of, assuming you're beyond age 59 and a half and you meet the requirements, anytime you take money out of an IRA or 401k, it's going to be taxable to you. You never paid the tax when the money went in. So you owe the tax when it comes out, but you get the deferral of the growth and all that kind of stuff. All those years. All those years. Okay. On a Roth account, uh, the way that works is you put your money in after tax Mm -hmm. and then you get tax-free growth and tax-free withdrawals when you get ready to take money out. Okay. So why would you do that, right? Well, I, I always say that it's pretty good if you can qualify for it to have a couple of buckets of money to take take distributions from. When I'm you're 65 years old and the wife yeah. says her car's worn mm-hmm. out and we got to buy one. Right. Okay. So, and then you say, well, you know, I could take it out of my regular IRA or my 401k and I'm going to be taxed on that. Mm-hmm. Or I've got this other account over here, this Roth account that has such and such money in it. Mm-hmm. Why don't I take some money out of that? Because it's done really well. Uh-huh. You know, I bought Apple back when it was, uh, <laughs> you know, in the 80s and, yeah. and thought it was going to go bankrupt at one point. But, it, you know, it turned out to be OK for <laughs> Apple. <laughs> and then you've got all this money in, in your Roth IRA and you say, you know what? I think I'm going to take. Uh, take my distribution out of the Roth so that I don't have to pay tax on it. So in order for it to qualify so I don't have to pay tax, 
it has to be in there until I'm 59 and a half, mm-hmm. or the money's been in there five years, whichever is longer. That's correct. Is, is that right? Correct. All right. So if I keep putting money mm-hmm. in a Roth all the way up until I'm 59 and a half, mm-hmm. maybe the last little bit of that account, I don't get it out right. completely. Mm-hmm. But all that early money, right. I could. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of an accounting right there. There is. Yeah. Okay. Do we like Roths? I like Roths. I like anything that you're using to save money for yourself. Okay. All right. Now, it's, it's better than the alternative, right? Not saving? Not saving and spending it all. <laughs> right. And then getting to the end and somebody else has to take care of it. That's right. Now, in, in the Roth account, there are a number of characteristics of it we like. Because initially, mm-hmm. when you were describing it over there, you didn't give me a tax deduction today, Bubba. I didn't. And, you know, I like things that give me a benefit today. Mm-hmm. But there are some enticements to a Roth that, uh, yes, later on, if it's been in there five mm-hmm. years or over 59 and a half, maybe I can take it out tax-free. Yeah. Another thing about Roth is that it's one of the retirement accounts that allow me to go back in without any penalty or tax and get my money. Right, to get your principal out. At any time. So in this instance, you know, uh, Daddy Warbucks over here has put uh, $5,000 a year into a Roth over, over a period of three years. He's got 15000 of his own money. Okay. And it's now worth $100,000 because he, he got, got some really good investments, right? Okay. And, and, you know, wild examples. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, let's say that he needs a little bit of money and he's under age 59 and a half. Mm-hmm. Let's uh, say he needs $6,000. $6,000. Okay. He can go in and pull out his original principal payment or deposit of six thousand dollars, mm-hmm. and actually have a little bit of money left over that he could still get if he needed it. Oh, all right. So he, in your example, he mm-hmm. put in five uh, for three years, so that was fifteen thousand. Mm-hmm. He still got nine thousand. He still got nine thousand plus, hopefully, some growth over those mm-hmm. three years in there. And he just pulled his six thousand out, and he just let his custodian know, "Hey, I'm taking some of my money out here." Right. I don't want to pay tax. I want to pay penalty. I, I, I don't want to get a nasty letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is my money, by the way. Mm-hmm. And a Roth allows him to do that. Now, why do I like that flexibility? Well, number one, life happens. Mm-hmm. You know, we do all this planning. And we're thinking 20, 30 down, years down the road. And hopefully it works out that way. And my 401k will be there. And I'll have a million dollars. And everything will be just hunky-dory and rosy. But along the way... We have those rains that pours months, mm-hmm. which means that the water heater goes out the same time that the transmission goes out, the same time that the kid needs the braces. Right. And I need that six grand. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, 15 of it was mine. And so when life happens, maybe when college happens and I didn't save enough, um, maybe when somebody else, uh, you know, it has one of these uh, uh, times when I want to help them. A Roth is very flexible mm-hmm. about us being able to get to our money. So when we come back, we're going to talk about in all of these different kinds of IRA accounts, how they can be invested from the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. 
Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. We're talking about uh, being able to hopefully save for ourselves and and uh, be able to cover our own uh, issues as we get into retirement. And we do that by saving for retirement through 401ks so far, mm-hmm. traditional IRAs, Roth IRAs. Right. There are two or three other kinds of IRAs, right? right that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, this is this is kind yeah. of complicated. So let's start with a spousal IRA. Mm-hmm. So in the instance uh, or, or d- discussion that we had prior, uh, you talked about maybe uh, one of the family members decides, you know what, I'm going to stay home and take care of the children. Right. They don't have earned income. So you have to have earned income typically in order to contribute it. Uh, mm-hmm. contribute to an IRA, right. whether it be Roth or uh, regular. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's say that the other, uh, the other parent or other uh, partner is, uh, is working. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can contribute on behalf of your spouse, and that's called a spousal IRA. Okay. So in this instance, you know, if, if, uh, if you're both over age 50, you could typically get $14,000 into one of these IRAs and deduct that. Seven thousand apiece. Seven thousand apiece. Now the working spouse had to make fourteen thousand. That's correct. Right. So yeah. there still has to yeah. be earned income. Right. But it doesn't necessarily have to be yours. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. And the benefit there is that again, you're saving money for your retirement. Yeah. And your spouse's retirement. Yeah. You're uh, you're getting a tax deduction now. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um. So that any time that you're saving money for yourself or or for your retirement, I think is a good thing. So we've had a traditional IRA, mm-hmm. a Roth IRA, a spousal IRA. Yeah. Hit me with another one. Uh. All right. How about a backdoor Roth? Whoa. Or or a non-deductible IRA. All right, start with non-deductible IRA. All right, so non-deductible, in essence, is, let's say, for instance, that you make too much money. Okay. Right? Um, And you've got certain income limits in order to contribute to these IRAs. Mm -hmm. But you make too much money, you say, you know what, I still want to put money into an IRA. Okay. So you put money into the IRA. You're not allowed to deduct it, right? You've already paid tax on it. But you can do that. Yeah. You can open an IRA Uh even though you're not going to deduct it. Right. Okay. And what's the purpose in that? Uh-huh. Well, you're going to get tax-deferred growth for a number of years, hopefully. Okay. And then at some point, you can have that growth come out to you, and it would be taxable to you. Okay. All right. All right. So then what's this backdoor Roth? Again, for high-income earners mm-hmm. that aren't allowed to put money into a Roth. Okay. Um, because of their income, because of their because income, they're disallowed as participating in a yeah, retirement. They're account. disallowed from doing a Roth IRA. Okay. Uh, in essence, what you do is you do a non-deductible IRA, which we just talked about, and then do a conversion of that immediately into a Roth account. Ooh, is that, this, which is technical, right? Is it legal? It's legal, perfectly legal. <laughs> um, and and that's why they call it a backdoor Roth. Okay. Now, the advantage for this high-income earner mm-hmm. having money in a Roth is what? Well, again, later on in retirement, it's good to have two bu- different buckets of money that you can choose from, or three or four different buckets of money mm-hmm. that you can choose from. And if you're a high-income mm-hmm. earner, you're probably used to a certain lifestyle. Yeah. You don't want your income to go down very much when you go into retirement. That's right. And you already have some sort of retirement account mm-hmm. at work, as is as indicated by the fact that you are subject to these income levels. Correct. And so because of that, 
you know, everything looks like it's going to be taxable to you mm -hmm. one of these days. And you like a high standard of living, and so therefore you're going to find a way to keep your income up, whether yeah. that comes from retirement accounts, mm -hmm. pension accounts, uh, various investments. Mm -hmm. But you want to have a pile of money, maybe, as you said, gives me some flexibility. Sure. Somewhere to go and not have to pay mm -hmm. any tax on it. Yeah. All right, here's another IRA, a beneficiary IRA. Mm -hmm. What is that? So a beneficiary IRA comes about when you inherit an IRA from another individual. It could be a spouse. It could be a parent. It could be really anybody. Okay. You know, Daddy Warbucks over here uh, mm -hmm. hopefully has left me as a beneficiary to some of his IRAs. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah. It, and if not me, maybe my children. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I'm yeah. good either way. Yeah, yeah they are yeah. sweet, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Most so, of the time. <laughs> you get the, uh, you, you, somebody calls you up and says, hate to tell you, but your great uncle, mm -hmm. the one who's really wealthy, died and left you a $100,000 IRA. Yeah. A portion of his IRA mm -hmm. that was worth millions, he left to you. That's right. And, and it's $100,000. Mm -hmm. Now, after you hang up the phone and your spouse says, Bubba, what was that all about? Mm -hmm. And you say, well, oh, uncle. And I say, oh, nothing. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uncle Elmer. Wrong caller. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Uncle Elmer passed away. Yeah. And I've got a thing called a beneficiary IRA. What are your options? Uh, you've got a couple of options. So mm -hmm. you used to have uh, uh, more options, but they've changed the law recently. Mm -hmm. But your options are, are, are basically that you receive uh, that IRA into a beneficiary IRA account in your name. Okay. All right. Uh, you're still going to owe tax on that. But you could take it home today if I you want to pay the tax. Yeah, I could take all $100,000 out, and then I'm going to owe $100,000. Uh, actually, probably whatever my tax bracket is. I might owe $30,000. Mm -hmm. of that and i can take 70 grand and go buy me a new you know ford truck okay right, right. that is an option that is an you option can take the money mm -hmm. out and pay the tax yep okay i can wait and i can take all the money out over a period of time so i can take ten thousand dollars a year maybe i'm in a high tax bracket myself mm -hmm. you know and i and i say you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna break this up over a period of time mm -hmm. so that i don't bump myself into a higher tax bracket so i'm gonna take ten thousand dollars a year mm -hmm. uh for as long as i can mm -hmm. hopefully it grows a little bit and then maybe the last year the tenth year mm -hmm. i've got to deplete the account so okay. over 10 years the account needs to be zeroed out oh really yeah okay used to be that uh, with a beneficiary IRA, you could stretch that out over your lifetime. Mm -hmm. But then the government got wise to it and said, you know what? I think we want our money a little bit sooner than that, uh, our tax money. Especially if Daddy Warbucks over there does leave one of your children mm -hmm. as the beneficiary of his big IRA. And that child has a long, uh, long right. life yeah. expectancy. Mm -hmm. It'd take a long time for the IRS to get their taxes. It would have, no doubt. So now they say, we're going to limit that mm -hmm. to 10 years. Yep. Okay. All right. Now, if, if I am the beneficiary of an, an IRA, uh, how do I claim it? Well, uh, you would need a death certificate okay. for the decedent. Okay. Uh, you would need uh, more than likely a copy of your driver's license and a few other do uh, documents, you know, basically to prove who you are. Mm -hmm. You open the beneficiary IRA account, and then the journals are made, uh, I wouldn't say automatically, but pretty close to automatically over to your account. 
and it may be the same custodian that Daddy Warbucks yeah. had before he died, yeah. or you you can use another one, right? Yeah. So let, you know, if Daddy Warbucks over here was using uh, Charles Schwab, mm-hmm. and I like using Vanguard or Fidelity, mm-hmm. I can move it wherever I want to, as long as as the the title on it remains uh, as a deceased or a beneficiary IRA. Okay. All right. All right. That will keep it from being taxed. That's correct. If it gets titled to something else into mm-hmm. a different account, your checking account yeah. or a different mm-hmm. investment account. Then you're going to owe the tax. Then you're going to owe the tax in the year in which you took mm-hmm. the money out, right? Right. All right. Now, we promised the people that traditional IRA, Roth IRA, non-deductible IRA, backdoor Roth mm-hmm. IRA, beneficiary IRA. Spousal IRA. Spousal yeah. IRA. There's a thing called a rollover IRA. Mm-hmm. Where the money can come from your retirement account if you rolled yeah. it from a previous employer. That's right. Where are these things invested? What are they invested in? What happens inside the account once I receive my beneficiary money from Daddy Warbuck? Yeah, so you've got options, right? If you are a conservative investor, mm-hmm. uh, you can go to a bank and you can uh, purchase a CD uh, or another bank-type product. Okay. In those. All right. If you want to step out on the scale a little bit and be a little bit more uh, aggressive with it, you can uh, you can buy mutual funds with it. You can buy uh, you can buy individual stocks with it. So if you have in as mind, long as it's held inside of that that account. All right. So if you have in mind, hey, I think I do want mm-hmm. to buy. I got four or five individual stocks mm-hmm. I want to buy. Before you open the account, you need to ask that custodian if they do that. If they do that, okay. right. So uh, I'm going to say, generally speaking, if it's a bank, they're not going to do that. Okay. A bank might have a, a brokerage division or brokerage arm that would allow you to do it. Or, you know, uh, Charles Schwab, Fidelity, mm-hmm. you know, Merrill Lynch. You talk to your financial talk advisor. Talk to your financial they advisor. They're going to allow you to do that. Okay. All right. Because sometimes we've had people mm-hmm. who say, you know what? I want to put gold bars in my IRA. Yep. I want to mm-hmm. own these gold bars in the name of my IRA. Yeah. Or I want to own real estate. Yeah. Well, there are certain custodians that will actually do that. And it is possible to do that. I would say that it's probably expensive to mm-hmm. do that, but right. it is possible. Right. So standing on your own two feet and providing for your own retirement and maybe giving those around you options one of these days, if you need to be taken care of, is a way to do that is doing it through retirement accounts. And I hope we covered them well here at the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio today. Discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable, and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting the 
appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an advisor's roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planters, LLC. Ignite Planters, LLC is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated.